Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. There's there's a scripture verse that's kind of been in my spirit lately. And how many of you know the, the story where Jesus goes to the well and there's a woman there and he talks to her? So it's in, it's in John 4, um, in verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. So there were some things going on, right? Some behind the scenes things, right? Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And we've all heard this this passage a bunch of times, but the thing that stuck out to me was, if you would have known, you would have. And I think sometimes we get so bogged down by things, and if we would just know what God is doing, we would have this. You know, I, we know that there were other things going on in that, in that woman's life. She, we know, we find out later that she had five husbands. And I would say that there, there's a lot going on there. I don't know all what happened. But I only have one, and that's, that's enough for me. <laughs> so you know there's things going on. But that, that scripture has been so challenging me. If you would have known or if you would have been aware, you would have. And I think there's so many things in our life that if we would just become more aware of them, we, were, we could respond from heaven. So God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. In Jesus' name. So today I want to talk to you about breakthrough praise now, up there, that was the old one. I called it expressive praise, but we have to call it different names or the algorithm on the thing. Well, so, but anyways, it's expressive praise, but breakthrough praise as well. So, so how does God want his praise to be expressed? That's a good question, right? He's our king. He's our God. And what he desires should be what we offer. Am I, am I the only one that thinks that? I'm going to need some more amens here than that. So my question is, whose praise is it? See, a lot of time we say it's my praise. But it's really his praise. Right? It's his praise. It belongs to him. So according to scripture, praise involves the whole person, spirit, soul, and body. There are over 50 Hebrew words that deal with the topic of praise and worship. There are seven words that are consistently show up in scripture that describe how God desires his praise to be expressed. So if it's his worship or if it's his praise, then our feeling, tradition, preference cannot dictate our response. And even our comfort level can't dictate our response. Because I'll just let you in on a secret. The praise that God desires is beyond all of our comfort level, right? It's beyond it. So the issue that we run into is the English word praise is limited and vague. Webster's Dictionary defines praise as to express a favorable judgment of. To express of 
the expression of approval or admiration for someone or something. So it's clear that praise requires expression, but it's kind of left up to personal or cultural preferences. Right? It says, well, to express a favorable, favorable judgment. So if you're at a golf match, right, and someone hits a putt in, what do they do? They yell and run and scream around, uh, you know, yell at the top of their lungs. Maybe if you watched Happy Gilmore. Uh, but what do they do? They call it the golf clap, right? The golf clap. Very light, you know. If you're at a football game, right, what's acceptable there? There's a lot of things that are acceptable but might not be legal, all right? So the culture will dictate the custom, right? The culture and the customs dictate the expression of praise. So let's look at what Webster has to say about the meaning of expression, Expression means to make known the opinions or feelings of oneself. It's to give into artistic, creative impulses or abilities of oneself. To convey true impression of, to symbolize, to force out by pressure. So the general idea of expression is to take something that is hidden and make it known. Right? To express something is to take something that is hidden and make it known. So why is expression important? Because expression causes us to take what is inside of us and make it known to the world around us. I know we live in a very stoic area. But what is the culture of heaven? Right? What is the culture of heaven? So do we see... Do you see why expressive praise is powerful? It takes all the passion, the desire, the love, the enjoyment we have for God, and we put it on display. Come on. Now, we know the scripture verse, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And sometimes it's difficult to come into worship and be expressive because most of our day or most of our week, our heart is heavy. But who has power over our heart? The pastor. No. No. You, you've been here long enough. You know that's not true. You have the power. And if you want to sing, I've got the power, you can. Pap, do you want to sing that? <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty high. <laughs> Someone's got the power. But many of us are limited because of cultural norms and personal comfort levels, and myself included. And so one thing I do want to say is, when I'm talking about expressive praise, what happens here on Sunday is about 10% of what I'm talking about. Because yeah, if you're only relegating praise to a Sunday morning service, you're keeping your guns in the safe. You understand what I mean by that? You're not utilizing the weapons that you have. That praise has the power to break the enemy. Come on. And to be honest, my personal preference is to engage with God in a less expressive way. That is my, I'm, I'm pretty quiet No, you know, I need to be up here and be more expressive because that's what I need to do. But I'm more quiet. I don't talk as much or I'm not as expressive. I I like to think my relationship with God is meditating on God's word and to process through it, to study it, to seek it out, to talk with God one-on-one. That's kind of me, right? But what does God want? Now, I'm not saying that he's expecting me to do something I'm not. But what I am saying is he, he accepts me for who I am, but he, there's greater things for me that I can tap into if I step outside of myself. I think we should also have the attitude 
like David, King David, where he said, how can I offer something to God that does not cost me something? How can I give something to God that doesn't cost me something? And guess what? When you worship, it will cost you your pride. (laughs) Come on. It will cost you your dignity. (laughs) Right? Yeah, David stripped himself down. And one of his wives wasn't too happy about it. So when you passionately worship, there could be people that aren't that thrilled of the type of worship you're doing, but it's for, I don't want to talk about your clapping off a beat. I, I, I have to forgive you every time you do it. So, See, she claps off beat unashamed, like she just, we love her. We love you, we love you. All right. But you also see in scripture where we're, we're called to uh, offer a sacrifice of praise. The word sacrifice comes from the root word T-H-U-O, a verb meaning to kill or to slaughter for a purpose. Sacrifice means to kill or to slaughter for a purpose. So praise often requires that we kill our pride, kill our fear, kill our passivity, And anything that threatens to diminish or interfere with our worship to the Lord. Like I said, what happens on Sunday is about 10% of what I'm talking about. I'm saying if you get wild and freaky at home, it's going to translate here. You're like, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. (laughs) Now, God is not vague when it comes to how he desires his praise. It's not a needle in a haystack. It's not a great mystery because he reveals it through his word. When we see the word praise in scripture, it's important to understand that it's a translation from many different Hebrew words. And each Hebrew word commands a certain response. Often the translation would be simplified. And so they say, well, praise fits under this umbrella, so we'll just translate it as praise. But often we lose the various shades of the meaning in the simplified translation. So a lot of times where it says, praise the Lord, it actually might mean to shout. It might mean to bow down in reverence. It might mean to raise your hands. It might mean to clap. And so I want to go over seven words for praise that God commands us in, in, in worship. So the first one is Shabbat. There we go. Shabbat is to shout to address in a loud tone, to shout in triumph. It's a loud adoration of love, respect, and worship. And like I said before, oftentimes, culture will dictate expression. I would say in our, in our church, we, we are pretty expressive. So when you come in, you're like, oh, I guess we raise our hands, or we clap, or we shout, or we do these things. And, and I'm sure some of you might be in other places where that might not be as accepted. And then there's some places where, where you might go and be like, wow, they're really free in this place. Wow. You know? So oftentimes, culture will dictate expression. Like I said, a football game, a golf match, the library. You know, the library doesn't like it when, when you get loud. And um, also, maybe family arguing. You know, some families just don't talk to each other. And some let them know what they feel, right? So culturally, like I remember when Erin and I first got married, she's like, your, your mom and you like yell at each other. And I'm like, we're not yelling at each other. We're passionately talking about what we believe, right? And it didn't take long and she got on board pretty quickly. But I would say in her family, probably they didn't talk if there was an issue. Yeah, okay. So we're not going to go into past family issues, but all right. So I bring this up because God finds shouting and loud expression a part of his worship culture. Is it necessarily comfortable to be shouting in church? Maybe not to the flesh, but in God's eyes, yes, it's very comfortable. 
Come on. The reason I'm doing this is because I want to show you through scripture those things that you have with inside of you, it's okay to release. And faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word. So as I talk about this stuff, as God speaks to you, you're like, oh, that's in the word. I can step out in faith. Come on. So God, God has made it clear that shouting is acceptable uh, expression of praise. This word is used 18 times in scripture commanding us to shout. So is shouting reserved for the strange emotional types? Or the really radical Christians. You know, when I was a kid, that's what we used to call in the radical Christians, on fire Christians. And people in the world were like, what are you talking about? On fire? Are you lighting yourself on fire? So is shouting just for the radical or the, the strange emotional types? Let's look at Psalm 66.1. Shout joyful praises to God all the earth. Okay. Let me break this down really simply. Are you on this earth? <laughs> Shout joyful praises to God, all the earth. So that includes me. It includes you. Come on. Don't you love when we have pastors that encourage you to, to step out? So why do we shout? The victorious are always louder than the, than the defeated. Last year, or two years ago, the Chiefs made it to the Super Bowl. But in the playoffs, we were playing the Texans. And the first 10 minutes of it, the Hilton household was pretty quiet. <laughs> it, we got down like 20, set, 24 nothing. So we came in already, we had our hats on, we had our balloons, and we had our food out, and then this happened. <laughs> you're, okay, you're, you're ruining my setup, all right. But then things started to change, and then we got a little bit louder, got a little bit more confident. And then by the end, we were feeling cool as could be, right? I think it ended up 50-something to, right? And I was very upset with them because why did they do that to me? I mean, I, I've, I've, like, followed them for a long time, and then they, made, they, they had to do it to me. So that was kind of the theme of that year anyway. So we were always behind, and then we came back. But, but guess what happened? When we started winning, what happened? We got loud. Donna could hear us all the way from Elizabethville. Well, well, maybe the Myers did. I don't know. We got real loud. So there's a couple reasons why a believer would shout in triumph. The first one is we are experiencing the manifestation of the victory. Guess what? When you get healed... There's reason to shout. When there's restoration in your family, there's reason to shout. When you get that promotion or whatever it is, there's reason to shout. There's a manifestation of God moving. Come on, there's a reason to shout. The second reason is we align by faith to the victorious one. So there are some times where we're going through it, man, and it's not pleasant and, and it's difficult, but God is the victorious one. Jesus is the victorious one. Romans 8, 37. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And in that context of that verse, it's talking about trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, or danger, or sword. Doesn't sound very pleasant at all. But he is the victorious one. Through Christ, we can have peace. Through Christ, we can function in the freedom and the liberty that he has offered. So the first reason, the first reason we have to shout is because we're experiencing it. And that's a lot easier, isn't it? Right? It's a lot easier. But then, when you're going through it, you have to, by faith, align your heart with Christ. And we also know, as believers, we know the final outcome. 
So a lot of times I'll watch football games after the fact because they're pre-recorded. So I'm like, don't, Travis, don't you say a word. Don't send me nothing. I actually, well, I will say this. Some of my siblings, well, there's only one. All right, my sibling, <laughs> she likes to look at the score before we watch it. And it, and it angers me inside because what happens is She'll walk in and I see her face and I'm trying to read her face. And she's like, what, what, what? I was like, I can see it through your eyes, loss or whatever. It's like, if you're watching it in my house, my house, you don't watch it beforehand. You don't look at the score. But I found out that my wife and my sister do not listen to me. All right. Yeah, she's like, I need to know what's happening. Like, no. All right. So nothing silences the enemy more than when we praise God in all circumstances, knowing our victory is secure in Christ. Yeah, the enemy likes to get loud when, when it appears that he's winning. But guess what? When we shout and praise and give joyful praise to God in the midst of a trial, it shuts the enemy down. Come on. This should get you shouting. I don't know. When the enemy tries to silence your praise, it's time to make your praise louder. Like if he's shutting you down, like if fear's trying to take over, I would say step out no matter what. If there's insecurity, step out anyways. If you're beating yourself up, step Release joyful praises. Well, I don't know if that's for me. Shout joyful praises, all the earth except you. Now, I don't think that's in scripture, right? You're not that special. Now, yeah. That, that's a different version. We're not sure about it yet. Psalms 47.1. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. And in the Old Testament, what they would do back then is uh, to intimidate their army or to mock them, they would clap. So when you clap in praise, what are you doing? You're mocking the enemy. Come on. This is an example of Old Testament sarcasm. (laughs) Clap Your hands, all you people, shout to God with the voice of triumph. So when the enemy starts coming around, who are you? Come on. I don't know. This should be exciting, guys. So Shabbat is the kind of praise that involves shouts, shouting, yelps, yells, squeals, hoots and hollers. It also deals with to cry out, to shout in applause, to shout in triumph, to, sh- to cry out in distress, to cry out in distress, distress, to war or a battle cry, to sound a signal. But the common thread is it is a loud expression. If you're not sure where to release this, find a place. Right? If you, hey, I shout a lot in the car. If you ever see me driving by, you're like, what's going on there? But I'm, that's where I find I release these things, you know, shout unto God. So, what is the purpose of for being loud and expressing loud affections as a form of praise? Well, all the devil's tactics have one purpose in mind to shut you down, to shut you up, and keep you quiet. Have one purpose in mind, to keep you quiet, to keep your mouth shut so you don't release what the Lord is saying. I love that song. We haven't sung in a while, but I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Come on. And we can, we'll get into what hallelujah means. So Shabbat breaks the power of the enemy because we praise in any situation. And what happens is we take back our power. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So a shout of praise has the power to change your atmosphere. Do you realize that? 
A shout of praise has the power to change your atmosphere. Let me just give you a practical example of it. I actually have the opportunity to lead chapel for our school. And there's a group, and it's the young ones. I think it's the second, the first, and the kindergartens. They give to me. Me. Right? I don't know, but it happened. And so they can get loud, right? They can, but what do I do? Hey, and it shifts the atmosphere. <laughs> I lift a, a loud tone and it quiets, it quiets it down. So a loud tone can shift the atmosphere. So what happens when we, by faith, lift a shout of praise into the spirit realm? What will happen? Well, we know in the Old Testament, when you shout, walls actually come down. What happens in the spirit realm when we actually lift a, up a shout of praise? Come on. Come on. A shout of praise will break off the shackles of emotional distress. There are times where you feel so heavy that sometimes you just need to release a shout of joyous praise because it breaks off the shackles of emotional distress. A shout of praise will break off the heaviness of oppression. A shout of praise will tear down walls of limitations. But I need to keep my dignity. Do you want to keep depression? Do you want to keep emotional distress? There are things in the Bible, keys in the Bible that can bring freedom to us if we would just Use them. It's like, well, so how did that uh, prescription help you? Yeah, it, it was okay. I, I put it on my nightstand, right? You used this example. Well, did you take it? No, I didn't take it. Well, nothing happened. Well, yeah, nothing happened. You didn't take the prescription. And so there's things within the Bible that give us answers that are there and available to us. They're on our nightstand, but if we don't pop them in, if we don't activate them, come on. Psalm 66, 1 through 4. Shout joyful praises to God all the year. Sing about the glory of his name. Tell the world how glorious he is. Say to God how awesome your deeds, how awesome are your deeds. Your enemies cringe before your mighty power. Everything on earth will worship you. They will sing your praises, shouting your name in glorious songs. So shouting is not just for the worship service, right? Like I said, this is 1%. But there are times where we should get before God and lift up a shout of joyous praise. And, and sometimes it's not joy. Sometimes it's a cry for help. Like I said, all the enemy wants you to do is keep your mouth shut. And then what happens is when you keep your mouth shut, what happens? Your mind starts running. Are you going to hear me? If you keep your mouth shut, your mind's going to start running. And where does the enemy like to play? Come on. But when you, by faith, align with what Christ has done and what he is doing, come on, it has the power to break the power of the enemy. Yeah. All right. So that's the first one. The next one is zamar, which means to pluck or strike the strings of an instrument. It means to sing, to praise a a musical word which is largely involved with joyous expressions of music with musical instruments. It means to sing songs of praise with instruments. So the common thread is praising God with an instrument. Okay? So zamar is to make music accompanied by the voice. So Psalms 150, 1 through 6. Praise the Lord. Praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise him. Praise his unequal greatness. Praise him with a blast of a ram's horn. 
Praise him with the lyre and the ram. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud clanging cymbals. Sounds like nursery. (laughs) All right. Let everything that has, everything that breathes, sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. There it is again. Are we really supposed to be praising God? Do you have breath? (laughs) So in this verse, every category of instrument is listed in Psalms 150. And especially at that time of history. So Zamar, I, I do want to point something out in that. Where it says... Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. What I want to point out about that is what is that actually saying? Get the beat going and start moving. Come on. Like I said, what we experience here on Sunday, that's 10%. Get on a song that grooves, right? Put it on and start dancing. And I get it. Some of you like, I don't dance. I get it. But we're not doing it for us. If you would have known, knew the gift, you would have. What did I start out with? If we could really see who God is in our life and just who he is as God, his greatness, we would approach things totally different. Come on. So zamar means to pluck or strike the strings under the anointing of God. When David played his harp, David zamarred before the Lord. Okay, so this is an example of it. And the funny thing about it is, Saul was dealing with an evil spirit, right? And so his advisors were talking, and what did they say? Hey, we know a guy that when he plays, demons will be dealt with. Evil spirits will be dealt with. But I think that's so interesting. Like in our society, we're not like, oh, there's an evil spirit. We need to get a guy that plays a guitar. But in that time, they're like, hey, I got a guy. I know a guy. Come on. So it was a common thing at that time. So the next one is todah, which means the extension of hands in adoration, affirmation, and acceptance. This is the type of praise that deals not with the feeling of praise, but rather the sacrifice of praise. Oh. It's used for thanking God for things not yet received. Think about this. It's this, this word for praise is used to thank him before you even got the miracle. Like I said, it's easier to shout and sing when the miracle has happened. We can do the two-step, I don't know. (laughs) The the Pentecostal hop, I don't know what it's called. Right? When something happens, but this type of praise is praising when you don't even have it. It means to admit as real or true. The implication is that we are to raise our hands as in a court of law, swearing to speak the truth. Psalms 11.4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with tada. So how do we enter in? When you don't feel like it. <laughs> Before it's even happened. Enter in with thanksgiving. Enter in with tada. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. And bless his name. But his, so his truth might, be, might not necessarily be our present reality. But we are still encouraged to enter in through praise. It means to speak the same as. So this, is, this type of praise really aligns with our faith. 
Tada is to lift your hands when you don't feel like it. It's a sign of surrender to lift your hands. This word is used 50 times in scripture. Pray, uh, Psalms 50, 23. He who offers a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving honors me. And to him who orders his way rightly, who follows the way that I show him, I shall show the salvation of God. So why does it honor and glorify God to offer this type of praise? Because it's a demonstration of trust in his character. But notice, he who offers a sacrifice, say sacrifice, of praise and thanksgiving honors me. And to him who orders his way rightly, what does it end with? I shall show the salvation of God. So when you don't feel like it and you still praise, you're honoring him. And what that does is opens a door for salvation and deliverance and freedom. Come on. All right. Moving along quickly. The next word is tehillah, which means to sing loud and joyfully, to praise vocally in songs and shouts. This type of praise is uh, specifically referring to vocalizing our praise. It's to express great and extravagant adoration to the point of foolishness in the eyes of non-praisers. So what does this mean? Let me give you an example of it. Do you remember those old film footages where the Beatles would come to town? And all those girls there were screaming and fainting. And you're like, what is wrong with these people? Right? What is wrong with these people? This is what Tehillah is. When people look and say, what is wrong with these people? Because they're so passionately excited for who's showing up and who they're, the praise that they're giving to. Come on. It means to laud, which means to praise extravagantly, usually in a very public manner. Like I said, the, the praise that God deserves is not pleasant to our flesh, right? It's not. Me included. I'd rather meditate on things and process through things. And, but this is his word. And I will say this. It's always good to practice alone. Yeah, there you go. Right? It's always good to, like I said, what we experience on Sunday morning should just be like the crescendo of all week. Because you've been worshiping all week. You've been uh, pouring out your heart before him. And then guess when we get here? Everybody's on the same page. Wow. It's exciting. So the connotation is to sing unashamed. This hurts my spirit, but... Skill or no skill. <laughs> and I'm not looking at you for any reason, any purpose, or, any, or clapping. Or <laughs> yeah, she does it. <laughs> so all you shower singers out there, lift up a shout of praise. All right. So this word is used 70 times in the Bible. This also deals with enjoying God with a loud song. Listen to this. Psalms 23.3. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Oh, the praise. Thank you, Jesus. You know what praises that is? It's tequila. Not tequila. Tequila. Right? That he comes and sits down on what type of praise? Come on. You'll love this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with tada. What is tada? It means to, it's that sacrifice of praise when you don't feel like it. Enter his gates with, with thanksgiving when you don't feel like it. And into his courts with praise. What is that praise word? It's tehila. What does that mean? You enter in with a sacrifice of praise. Come on. And then what does it turn into? We'll never get to that type of praise if we never praise when we don't feel like it. Come on. It's always good to get a good kick in the pants, you know what I mean? 
a Holy Spirit kick in the pants. So let's. So, um, so the discipline of praising God when you don't feel like it is the gateway to the Tehillah type of praise. So we enter in through Tadah. But guess what? When we get into his courts, it's turning into Tehillah. And guess what? There's a garment of praise for this. Isaiah 61, 3. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of what? Praise, you mean the golf clap? Yeah, Tehillah. The garment of Tehillah for the spirit of heaviness. Think about this. The garment of praise that is extravagant in a public manner is the type of praise that breaks off what? Heaviness. It seems the opposite, doesn't it? Right? So this is a key here. All right. So when is this praise appropriate? That's a good question. Because all you meditators like me, when is this appropriate to be doing this? <laughs> Let me look. Psalms 34.1. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will consistently speak his praises. What's that praises there? Tehillah. What does it say? I will constantly speak his praises. Come on. It's a challenge for all of us. The next one is Barak, which means to kneel down, to bless God as an act of adoration or brokenness, to express an attitude of love. This type of praise is probably the most acceptable type of praise that we see in churches. But... Um, but there's so much more. There's so much more that, that we can tap into. It's great that we shout and sing and have freedom to lift our hands, but it is also appropriate to get on the floor before the, before the Lord. I felt like there was a time in worship today where that was super appropriate to bow before God in reverence, to kneel before him. So if you feel that urge with inside of you, do it. I encourage you to do it. If you want to lift up a shout of praise in church, do it. If you want to get a little wild and dance, do it. Come on. I encourage you to do it. Psalms 34.1. I will praise or I will brock the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises to Hila. So I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. In other words, in my heart and in my mind, I will continually be bowed and surrendered before the Lord. All right, there's more there. Uh, another one is Yadah. And basically that means Yadah is more than just raising hands as a choice. Or like where Tadah was, you raise your hands or you praise God as a sacrifice. But Yadah is more, God has showed up and all you can do is raise your hands. So you can find this word being used whenever God moved among his people, whether by way of miraculous deliverance or an answer to prayer or whenever God revealed himself through revelation. Think of Yadah in this way. It's no longer a struggle, but a release of praise. It's that point in, and like I said, this a point in a worship service where it just pulls it out of you. It's that type of praise. It's also the moment when God starts ministering to you. Yadah is our spirit's response to his presence. So when you feel God's presence on you to raise your hands, not as a sacrifice, but because you're feeling him and you're experiencing him and God's showing himself. It's good stuff. Psalms 54, 6, I will freely sacrifice to you. I will praise, I will yadah your name, O Lord, for it is good. Do you see the connotation there? 
Why do we Yadah? Because we're actually experiencing the goodness of God. When God shows up and he manifests himself, that type of praise, that heart pouring out before him because he's doing something amazing, that's a Yadah type of praise. And the last one is, is Halal, which means to rave upon the Lord. And rave means to talk wildly or in delirium or fever. Someone who is delirious is in a state of violent excitement or emotion. Come on. It also means frenzy, a more or less temporary disorder of mental faculties as an intoxication characterized by excitement. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, meditate on the Lord right now. Halal is the opposite of hiding, concealing yourself, disappearing in the backdrop. It means to be clamorously foolish before the Lord. Halal is a primary Hebrew word for praise. Our word hallelujah comes from this base word. It means to be clear, to shine, to boast, to show, to rave, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. How many of you know that song? Hallelujah. It's kind of contradictory to that word. I don't have a problem with the song. I'm just saying that word is, is to freak out for God, really. And this is where it's great. Halal is, is the praise. Halal is, wait. Halal is, pray, is the praise used in Psalms 150. And that's what we read earlier. Halal is used 165 times in the Old Testament. Yep. We're all uncomfortable with it, right? We're all uncomfortable with it, but it's God's favorite word for praise. God wants his church to be expressive and free, wild and praise, loud in our affection. And I will say this, halal has no end. So my, my suggestion to all of us is, as the Holy Spirit leads you to step out a little bit, maybe you're like, your halal is clapping your hands. <laughs> and the Lord says, clap your hands. Maybe you've never raised your hands before and you're like, well, this is kind of weird. And it, you feel the Holy Spirit tug on you, raise your hands. And I believe as we develop this, remember, this is not just a Sunday morning thing. This is throughout your day, throughout your your time with the Lord. Just begin to praise him and give him the praise that he deserves. So a key truth that will help us step out in halal is the kind of praise God loves. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst, the mighty one. He will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. That word there means to jump up, spin around under the influence of a violent emotion. So what does this say? Yep. God rejoices over us. Going back to that scripture verse. If you would have known the gift, if you would have been aware of the gift, you would have. If you are aware that God is singing and spinning and jumping over a violent emotion over you, what more can we offer him? Come on, guys. Thank you, Father. I'll end with this. I believe that breakthrough is always on the other side of our comfort level. And a lot of times we're like, God, we need to see change, God. God, send change. God, we want change. And when God starts changing things, you're like, God, why are things changing? I don't want change. What is happening? Right? No one knows what I'm talking about. Beware what you pray. (laughs) God will answer you. And I'm saying that in a positive way. 
Transformation, breakthrough is on the other side of our comfort level. And so if you're looking for more freedom, if you're still trying to do the same old thing, you're going to get the same old results. That's just true in life, but I believe it's also true in this. I haven't felt God move since 1976. (laughs) You've been sitting in the same seat, (laughs) doing the same moves, thinking the same things. Come on. And I'm not saying that you step out in foolishness, even though the praise means to do it foolishly. I'm just saying, challenge yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today? You want me to yell today? Really? Jesus, you want me to do that? Okay, I'll do it. You want me to lift my hands? You want me to bow before you? I'll do it. If you would have been aware of the gift that was before you, you would have. And that's the challenge that I want to give each one of you. Let us become more aware of who God is. To see him for who he is. That he is worthy of every ounce of praise that we can muster up. He's worthy of it. So Lord, I just come before you. I just thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. Lord, open our eyes to see you for who you truly are. Open our ears to hear your voice like we've never heard before. God, give us the courage to step out in faith. Align our hearts with what you're saying. God, we just release it in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just thank you. You know, we we sing, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. But what part of God is this talking about? Where the spirit is Lord, there is freedom. So when we're in the midst of something, what are you saying, God? What are you speaking? And then aligning to it. So Lord, we just thank you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we have the healing team come up?